Hello and welcome to the Sacred and Superstitious, where I'll be taking a weekly look at rituals, folklore, and supernatural creatures from around the world. I'm your host, Daphne Palma. Thanks for joining me today. I'm excited to say that this week we'll be delving into spirit possession in Thailand. And I'll admit that this week's topic was inspired by the movie The Medium, my current favorite horror movie. If you haven't seen The Medium, it's essentially a documentary that follows a family of shamans in Thailand. And I can't say too much without spoiling it, but if you enjoy horror movies, then The Medium might be a movie for you. Beyond that, I visited Thailand a few times, and I've always enjoyed each of my trips, and everyone's always been so kind to me. And I've always been struck by how beautiful the country is and how rich its culture. That being said, I don't speak Thai, so I'd like to apologize in advance for mispronouncing words or phrases. I always try my best to research how to say it, but sometimes I still miss the mark. Sorry about that. Anyway, getting right into it. Spirit possession isn't particularly uncommon in Thailand. Buddhism is the official religion, but folk beliefs, often rooted in animism, mingle together to create a really unique system. Animism is the belief that all things have a spirit, so animals, stones, waterfalls, natural phenomena, all of these are things that have a spirit of their own. In our last few episodes featuring the Philippines and Korea, we've seen similar manifestations of traditional religion coming together with animism to create completely unique rituals and beliefs. That's very true for Thailand as well. Spirits in Thailand can range from dead relatives to spirit lords associated with villages, mountains, or forests. But despite their non-corporeal bodies, they're capable of affecting individuals. And yet, like humans, these spirits can be harmed or pleased with gifts and have moods all their own, like anger, compassion, jealousy, even love. Spirit possession is a condition in which an individual acts as if they're under the control of another entity. Usually the spirit of a deceased relative, famous person, or deity is usually associated with amnesia and movements that are beyond the possessed person's control. Spirit possession seems to primarily affect women more than men, though men aren't immune to it. Other things that might make you more susceptible to being possessed include being a firstborn child from a small family, having a psychiatric disorder, problematic character traits, and disassociative tendency. I wish that problematic character traits had more of a definition, but the doctor who provided this research didn't really expand on that. Anyway, those who tend to be affected by spirit possession tend to seek help from those who practice faith healing. Maybe there's a correlation between believing you're possessed and also believing that a folk healer can help you. There are some rural communities that have divided these spirits even further. So they'll have guardian spirits whose principal functions are to guard people and property. Then there are topographical spirits who are associated with particular landscapes. For example, each hill and stream has a spirit. Then there are also spirits who are known to be malicious. A common ghost that's malicious and is known to possess others is the Pi Tai Hong. Pi means ghost, and Tai Hong means to die an unnatural and violent death, such as a murder or drowning. The word Hong, to divide it even further, means two different things. Hong can mean great suffering and suddenness or unexpectedness, with the latter component being more prominent because people who become Pi Tai Hong are not able to prepare themselves for death. These spirits are especially dangerous and aggressive because due to their sudden death, they were unable to fulfill their dream and desires while being alive. Because of this, they tend to be angry and might manifest as a vengeful ghost. 
the belief in thailand is that the first seven days of a person's death is when their spirit is most actively seeking revenge and the living are advised to avoid the area in which that person died the spirit will often try to kill other living people in the same manner in which they themselves died and as a consequence are amongst the most feared ghosts so for example if the spirit died in a car accident then they might try to cause a car accident by appearing in the road, causing you to swerve into a tree or into another car. These spirits, beyond just trying to harm others, might actually possess them. And if a person becomes possessed, well, you can try to tempt the ghost out using rituals or even offering gifts. But if all of this fails, then there's a chance that the exorcist might just beat the person who's possessed until the spirit leaves. I have no idea why, in almost every country I've researched this topic on, the last resort is always beating the possessed person. I just don't feel like that's very helpful. Anyway. One fascinating case of a mass possession occurred in 1991 in a rural school in southern Thailand. Here in this elementary school, more than 30 girls were affected by spirit possession. This elementary school was situated in the mountains surrounded by forests. Outside of the school were two spirit houses. Now, spirit houses are going to be very important in this case. So essentially, a spirit house is a usually like a small box-shaped home on top of a pole. They're not particularly big, but if you've ever been to Thailand, they are everywhere. Usually they're quite ornate, and inside there will be a, a myriad of things, um, depending on the person who owns it, like uh, furniture even, or little figurines and people will make offerings to the spirits that live inside this spirit house. And those offerings can be snacks, it can be drinks, I've seen sodas, I've seen little candy bars inside of these uh, spirit houses. People provide the spirits within these houses offerings because they believe they extend a benevolent guardianship over the property and those within it. So ideally, these spirit houses and the spirits that dwell within would protect the school and all of its children. Of the 373 students enrolled in this elementary school, 208 were boys and 185 were girls. 32 students experienced possession and all of those students were girls. So approximately 9% of the school's population was possessed and 17.3% of the female population was possessed. The girls that were possessed ranged from the ages of 9 to 14 years old, with 70% of the students affected being below the age of 12. Most of these children were firstborn, but the families usually had two to three children, and only 19% of the students came from families in which the parents were separated, divorced, or there was a deceased parent. All the students were Buddhist. The attacks at this school began when two girls began having fainting spells. One girl was in the third grade, and the other was in the fifth grade, the fifth grade being the most affected of the classes. The third grade girl stated that she'd seen a spirit an old woman in a red dress, and the woman had told her that the school had destroyed one of her spirit houses, and thus she was angry and haunting the school and its students. The same girl was later possessed by that spirit and demanded that the school build a spirit house for her. This girl also had prior episodes of going into trances. She would induce them herself by going into a peaceful place in her mind, sort of a happy place, and would later then become possessed. Psychologists studying the school and its student population diagnosed this particular girl with disassociative disorder not otherwise specified 
and histrionic personality traits. One might also have led to the outbreak of spirit attacks on school beyond the destruction of a spirit house was that two boys had died in a car accident seven months before the spirit attacks. These two boys were on their way to an academic contest outside of the city and were in a fatal car accident. Many students were obviously impacted by the loss of their friends, and shortly thereafter, the school erected a new spirit house outside of the school. It's important to note that spirit houses are also places that wandering spirits may reside. There's a belief in Thailand that there can be a period of time between dying and reincarnating, and while you're waiting to reincarnate, you're a wandering spirit. So these spirit houses serve many different functions. But some believe that maybe the spirit house served as a constant reminder to the students about their loss of their friends and fear of death. Another incident relating to spirit houses occurred a few months later when a cherished old school building was torn down without community approval in order to build a new school building. The spirit house associated with this old building was also relocated, and it's possible that the students or community members didn't know that it was moved and instead thought it was destroyed. Nearly every girl who suffered a spirit attack also suffered headaches, but three-fourths of them also suffered fainting spells. Almost 70% of them had visual hallucinations and auditory command hallucinations. Primarily, the affected girls saw the vivid picture of an old woman in a red, old-styled costume, believed to be a spirit, who would then approach the student and command her to come with her. So, essentially, they believed that this old woman was attempting to spirit them away. Before a spirit attack, students stated that they felt headaches, dizziness, heart palpitations, shaking, and weakness in their extremities. Most attacks triggered amnesia in the students, who couldn't remember what occurred during these attacks, except that they'd been visited by the old woman in the red dress. The spirit attacks usually began with the girl screaming and fainting, and then a few moments later having erratic seizure-like movements. These seizures were infectious to those observed it, as the other girls nearby witnessing it would begin to panic and then develop the same abnormal seizure-like movements. One girl before an attack was found to be mute and unresponsive, staring wide-eyed at the wall. She wouldn't respond to words, but when touched, she would move away. She began to cry and continued to cry for 20 minutes, but then after that seemed to regain consciousness and try to stand up, but seemed weak and confused. An hour later, she was normal and played and laughed with her friends, but was unable to remember what happened during that crying period. Another girl suffering attack put her face against the table and looked as if she was struggling against someone. She continuously screamed, No, no, I won't go. She didn't respond to any form of comfort, and after 15 minutes, she opened her eyes again and looked confused. The only thing that she said was that she recalled the woman in the red dress, trying to get her to leave. Cases in which multiple girls were affected at once within school were usually predicated by a girl screaming or hearing another child scream. This constant onslaught of spirit attacks led to a mass case of anxiety and depression within the student body. Many of the affected students stated that they feared their illnesses would never stop and that the spirit would take control of them and take them to another world. Two girls admitted to contemplating suicide to escape from the stress. I'd like to remind you that these are girls between the ages of 9 and 14. Mediums were invited to the school to try to solve this problem, but they proved to be ineffective, and students developed even more symptoms. What eventually wound up working was isolating students displaying symptoms. 
these affected children were sent home and their classmates were not allowed to visit them. Because the fear the students felt was rooted in being kidnapped, touching students while in a trance was discouraged. Some students displaying severe signs of anxiety were medicated. By following this method for four months, the symptoms affecting the students began to dissipate. As you might imagine, this case caused quite a stir in Thailand and wound up being very well researched by many universities. Many of the research teams noted that the cultural and environmental factors surrounding the school and its population influenced this possession. And ultimately, they described this mass possession as mass hysteria. In the local area where this occurred, violence was very common and many students stated that they'd come across dead bodies while walking to school. One girl's sister had even been shot to death a few months prior. But beyond that, these children tended to live with great swaths of land between each of their houses, which contributed to their feelings of isolation, loneliness, and a tendency to delve into their own imaginations. Mass hysteria is something that humans are incredibly susceptible to, and I'm inclined to think that it's hysteria over a spirit attack, considering that there's been no reports of an older woman in a red dress in the area prior to this attack and because the spirit house that they believed had been destroyed was actually just moved. But perhaps this old woman wasn't really a human ghost, but rather some sort of supernatural entity. Who's to say, hmm? Speaking of inhuman possession, spirit possession doesn't necessarily have to be a ghost at all. A 37-year-old woman came to see a physician with a case of anorexia and nausea associated with the smell of meat. Whenever she came in contact with meat, she'd vomit. Over the course of one month, she lost four kilograms, or nine pounds. When the doctors examined her, physically, there didn't seem to be anything wrong with her, though she did have a long history of insomnia and anxiety, which she'd been treated for. An ear, nose, and throat doctor also couldn't find anything wrong with her. But after examining her psychiatric history and her psychiatric state, it was revealed that she sometimes felt overwhelmed by the presence of Guan Yin, a Mahayana Buddhist Bodhisattva, or goddess, of compassion, mercy, and kindness. The patient said, I am the spirit medium of Guan Yin, who helps those who suffer from unhappiness. This possession, or believed possession, explained the patient's complaints of anorexia and her bad feelings associated with the smell of meat, as Guan Yin is a strict vegetarian. Possession by Buddhist deities is sporadically seen in Thailand, but it does happen occasionally. There are other cases where it's not a deity at all, but rather an ancestral spirit that's passed through a family line. In northern Thailand, there are cases of women who inherit ancestral guardian spirits. These spirits pass from mother to daughter, and in doing so, the whole family is blessed with health, harmony, and well-being. Some of these women, possessed by these spirits, may even serve as mediums for them. During an annual ritual, these women are then possessed and might display wild and rude behaviors for their communities, such as drinking, smoking, shouting expletives and insults, as well as stereotypically masculine behaviors, such as dancing and flirting with young women. Despite that, these women are typically held in high esteem and are often married and have respectable jobs, such as healers and midwives. It's this type of possession that the medium, the movie, is based off of. But say that you're possessed by a not-so-nice spirit, a malicious spirit, and you want to get rid of it the old-fashioned way. 
a man who believed he'd been possessed by a ghost sought out an ex-Buddhist monk who did exorcisms in Chiang Mai. The man had been stricken by what he believed was a spirit, and he believed he earned that spirit's ire by leveling a forest belonging to it without providing adequate offerings. So this isn't necessarily a malicious spirit, it's a topographical spirit that is associated with a forest. The monk erected four posts on the ground and had the man sit in the middle of it. White string was then attached to these four posts, essentially boxing the man in. On each of these posts, a hexagonal star figure made from pieces of split bamboo were placed. These stars served to richly protect the space, preventing the man from being attacked by spirits. If you're in Thailand, in town, and you happen to be looking around, it's possible you might see one of these stars. They're on signs, at the edges of property, even on granaries. And if you're from the United States, or you've done a road trip through more rural areas or the countryside, you may have seen a similar design on barns. These signs in the United States are called hex signs, and they're meant to protect livestock from fire, lightning, sickness, the work of evil spirits, demons, and witchcraft. So, they're pretty similar. As a possessed man sits in his protected square, the ex-monk reads rituals from a Thai-style book. Inside the square with the possessed man is a bamboo container, and it's essentially a tray that's divided into nine parts. So imagine a tic-tac-toe board. You know how there's like three boxes stacked on top of each other three times? Just imagine that, but made out of bamboo. And in each of these nine containers, there's glutinous rice, meat, and vegetables. And on top of this bamboo container is an earthenware pot without a lid. And inside of the pot, there are eggs and a burning candle. The possessed man holds a black string, which is attached to the bamboo container. Once the monk is done reading the rituals within his book, he takes a branch, dips it into a bucket of water at his side, and then flicks water over the possessed man. This is meant to nourish the spirit possessing the patient and lured along the black string towards the bamboo container. When the monk believes that the spirit has passed from the man through the black string and into the bamboo container, the monk then chops the black string with a machete. Then the ghost is ritualistically trapped in the earthenware pot. Once the spirit is in the pot, the monk blows out the candle and then covers the pot with papers, which are covered in sutras. And sutras are essentially just Buddhist scriptures. The monk will then carry the pot away and bury it someplace far away enough from both the man and his village. And after that, he just has to hope that no one digs it up and breaks it, which is the premise for a lot of Thai horror movies. <laughs> the previously possessed man and the monk both believed that if he didn't go through with this exorcism, that something terrible might have happened to him. He might have lost his wife, something might have happened to his child, his crops might have failed, any number of things. And it's possible that the possessed man actually had tuberculosis. And while he did go on to get his TB vaccine, he stated that he still believed that the ritual was necessary, and that actually his contraction of TB might have been the effect of the spirit to begin with. But there are ways to prevent it altogether. If you want to stop yourself from being possessed or attacked by a spirit, there are certain people who believe that if you join the Buddhist monastic order, a sangha, that you prevent yourself from being harmed by spirits. But a monk who was interviewed, who held this belief, stated that despite his immunity to predatory ghosts, he was also afraid to leave the temple at night because of his fear of them. 
Another way you might prevent being attacked is through amulets. Thailand is rife with amulets. There's an entire market dedicated to them. And these amulets can be as simple as an icon encased in plastic and put around your neck or something incredibly complex and very illegal. One of my favorite types of amulet is the takrut. This type of amulet is usually a glass or plastic cylinder which contains within it a scroll. On the scroll will either be a sutra, excerpts from the Pali Canon, or sacred geometric designs called yantras. The contents of the scroll dictates what the amulet provides. Some amulets provide protection against evil, such as spirits, others attraction or popularity, even invincibility. I have a yantra for compassion and to overcome all of my enemies. And since I don't think I have any enemies, I guess it's working. <laughs> but a much more macabre form of amulet is the kumantong. Kuman means sanctified young boy and tong means golden. This is an amulet that's believed to bring good luck and fortune to its owner if it's properly revered. Originally, this amulet was created through necromancy and magic. The belief was that you should take the fetus who died while in their mother's womb and extract it. Then this body would have to be taken to a cemetery and slowly roasted while the necromancer chants invocations. It's essential that this ritual take place before dawn and that the baby be painted with a lacquer first before being doused in the same gold paint used for amulets. That's how this amulet received its name. Golden Sanctified Boy. This gold-plated baby then becomes the guardian spirit for the sorcerer, or whoever possesses it, and that includes protecting you from evil spirit attacks. Unfortunately, this seems to be a practice that might persist into the modern age. In 2012, a British man was caught by airport security with six human fetuses roasted and covered in gold leaf. He'd bought them for 6,000 US dollars and intended to resell them in Taiwan as good luck charms for six times the purchase price. I've talked about some pretty gruesome stuff in the past, but I'm going to add a trigger warning here for extreme child violence. The child in question is already dead, but if it's something that makes you uncomfortable, skip ahead by a few minutes. A similar case also happened in 2010 when a novice monk recorded and released a video of himself piercing, bleeding, roasting, and collecting the drippings from a nearly full-term baby's corpse at a monastery. These drippings, which he called lust medicine, were sold to visitors. He was forced from the monastery and arrested, but wasn't jailed until he was later found guilty of 23 different charges of rape. Another very strange case occurred in Bangkok when 348 corpses of aborted fetuses were found in a Buddhist monastery. These fetuses were bought from five different abortion clinics, supposedly to sell to magicians and amulet dealers. Even today, you can buy replicas of this amulet, though it's more likely to be made out of the wood of a demolished Buddhist temple because the building itself has soaked up the sacredness from the monks who sat within it chanting prayers. But if you have an authentic amulet, you'll have the benefit of ample protection. Just remember to offer it milk and sweet drinks. But if you fear that an evil spirit is already in your life and you don't have an ex-monk, medium, or spirit specialist to help you, never fear. You can always use talismans. Usually, if you want a talisman, you'd have to go to a temple and ask a monk to make one for you, or buy one of their pre-made ones. These talismans are usually painted on a long strip of rectangular paper, then pasted on doors or other surfaces to try and purify, expel, or prevent evil. But you don't necessarily have to go to a shrine or temple to buy one. 
you can just go online on Shopee, the Amazon of Thailand. I found a really lovely talisman on a yellow piece of paper. Uh, it has a sword and there's writing that kind of reminds me of a Taoist talisman. A Taoist talisman, for those interested, is divided into four parts. The head, the body, the belly, and the foot. And there are also markings that correspond to the elements and stars with a sword battle at the bottom. Anyway, if you're interested, the talisman is about 25 US dollars or 19 pounds. So if you really need something, maybe that'll do in a pinch and you can just buy it online, have it come straight to your door. You don't even have to leave. Okay, and that's it for today's episode on spirit possession. If you have a ghost haunting you, I hope this is helpful. Thailand has a really rich culture of folk beliefs, which I think is finally starting to hit mainstream media. There's a lot of great movies and video games that touch on a lot of these topics. Home Sweet Home is undoubtedly my favorite game, but it's terrifying. And while I touched a bit on the spirits of Thailand today, I hope you'll join me next week for an episode totally dedicated to all the ghosts and monsters that hunt the dark roads and forests of Thailand. I'm excited and I hope you are too. Thanks so much for listening. This is The Sacred and Superstitious, and I'm your host, Daphne Fama. Good night.